0: Philippians 1.12 That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. We're trusting in the Lord and our life is to be for for His praise and for His glory. We sang it tonight. Be glorified. Be glorified in this temple. We could refer to this church. be, Be glorified in this temple which our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit for born again. We want God to be glorified. And through the cross, and that's what this whole series has been about, the cross in the life of the believer. There is the cross of Christ where He died, and then there is the cross of Christ that we, uh, we bear, that we bear daily. Not that we're dying for the sins of the world, but that we, we come to in order to die more to ourselves. That's, that's the whole thought of this book. There was, I'm not very familiar with all the history of this, but there was an old missionary in Korea. And there was one point in their his, country's history, they were suffering great persecutions at the hands, persecution at the hands of the Japanese. The whole country was, the Koreans were being persecuted at the hands of the Japanese. And this old missionary said, Japan could not have planned better for the Korean Christians if she had tried the worst which befalls us often proves to be the best. And I know that you've probably heard of that before, that the, the church has grown. For example, even the church history in the book of Acts, it grew most during persecution. It's not that we go out looking for persecution, it's that we're going to be persecuted. As long as we're in this life, to some degree, believers are going to be persecuted. And The more we live for Jesus, the more we will face the, uh, the God of this world. And these these Christians in Korea were actually strengthened and helped spread the gospel through the persecution that they were facing. And so God has a plan of working it out for our good. You look at the men and women of God through the scriptures. I always think of Joseph in the Old Testament. He just went down, 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 right? His brothers uh, threw him a pit and said, no, we don't get anything for him but if we throw him in the pit. We can sell him as a slave and at least get a little something. He goes from... Uh, from one of Jacob's sons, which he continued to be, but he sold as a slave, and then, uh, and then accused of a crime he didn't commit, and thrown into prison, and lower and lower and lower until the Lord lifted him up and made him prime minister of Egypt to preserve life during a famine. And uh, so often what what the worst thing that comes against our lives, and I'm talking about believers, I'm talking about people that are trusting in God and walking with the Lord. I can't say this is necessarily true of just man in general, but it is for those that are children of God by faith in Jesus. Um, The furnace was heated seven times hotter than it would normally be heated in Nebuchadnezzar's day, right? For the three Hebrew boys. How did that turn out? For the three Hebrew boys and for the glory of God, it turned out wonderfully. The worst which comes against us, oftentimes, God can, he can do it all the time, but oftentimes, it's working out for our good. Joseph in the dungeon, believers through the ages in concentration camps or or believers uh, thrown to the lions in the Roman Colosseum and made sport of while they're being eaten alive, Uh, you know, firing squads and so forth. All of it turns around for the glory of God. We have to believe that. We've seen it in history. It's not that we just try to escape all of that. And it's certainly not that we go looking for all of that. Just live for the Lord fully. Live for the Lord privately. Live for the Lord publicly. And be obedient to whatever He calls you to do. Don't let anything, and certainly not the fear of persecution of men, deter you or me from living fully for God. He is going to use it for his glory. There was a, a bohemian nobleman that was a Christian. And he was brought to the execution where he was going to be beheaded. And for his faith in the Lord. And the, the, the Jesuits pleaded with, pleaded with him one last time and tried to convince him to recant his faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, no. And he pushed them aside. I finished my course. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The Jesuits rebuffed him and said, those words were true for the Apostle Paul, but not for you. He says, no. He says, you forgot the rest of the scripture. says, and not for me only, but also to all them that love his appearing. We have to either believe this by faith or we don't. I'm just going to have to trust like I think we all would, that at that moment, if, and that's a big if, but if we're ever called upon to lay down our life for the Lord, that we are going to trust and believe that He will give us the faith and the strength for that moment. And He has done it through for little children. He's done it for people through the ages. He is not going to fail to do that for us. But we want to walk with the Lord now. Amen? Be strengthened by the Lord now. There's a cross for Christ and there's also a cross for the believer. It's not necessarily a different cross. We don't go back and, as I said, and hang and are hung and nailed to a cross literally to shed our blood for the sins of the world. That's blasphemy. That's the Lord's doing. Salvation is of the Lord, nor could we ever do that. But, but we do lay down our lives. It's a life, the cross that we're talking about as Christians is a life that's laid down. A life that's laid down. Not that we're dead physically, but our life is laid down for another. So the whole life is lived for another and by the power of another. Christ uh, is, among other things, he's the savior of the world, but he's also the perfect role model. If you want to call it that he's more than a role model, but he is a role model, too. When it comes to laying down our lives for the Lord. The, the disciples of the Lord, and we knew, know that Judas betrayed the Lord. We know that John was banished to the island of, of Patmos, but the, all of the disciples were martyred for the Lord, and he was—he was like the Jesus was like the, their role model for that. Okay, and those disciples are just representing the, the early church. Every follower of the Lord in one sense has been born crucified. And that's the title of this book we've been studying. Born again, crucified. And it simply means we're appointed to death. Paul says, I suppose the Lord has appointed us to death. He says, "He says I die daily. And so, it's not, again, it's not a miserable, morbid thing. It's, it's reminding us that if we're really going to live the life of Christ, there has to be a death. And self keeps rearing up. And when it does rear up, it needs to be brought to the cross. Amen. There is Christ is always associating uh, sufferings with glorification. In other words, sufferings with glory. If you suffer with Christ, you'll also reign with him, right? If you suffer with the Lord, that the trial of your faith is going to to redound to the glory of God and that type of thing. That if we suffer for Christ, we're going to reign with Him as well. The Lord ties those two together. And I think a lot of modern day Christianity tries to avoid all the suffering and it's just positive confession. We never have a pain. and We're never we're just wealthy and we're just in this life and so forth and go through this life and just with the world at our fingertips. That's not the, the Gospel. That's not the, the Word of God that's taught. The Lord ties in suffering with glorification. There's no crown without a cross. That is His way. That is God's way. Golgotha and glory are linked together. And those who sink down, I guess you would say at the depths of the cross, are assured of being lifted up with Christ in glory. That's how it works with the Lord. And those rewards are sure. And we need to trust in the Lord. Amen? That. Uh, crucifixion with Christ is going to ultimately end in being glorified with Christ. There's life, and then there's a crown of life. There's righteousness, and there's a crown of righteousness. And the difference is, one could just be somebody who's maybe part of the kingdom of the Lord, and the, the crowns come for those that have suffered for the Lord, or have served the Lord while they were part of His kingdom. Amen. that's why the the word of God's encouraging us to live fully for the Lord. Those rewards are going to be worth it. And there are rewards that come from a selfless life that's fully lived for the Lord. Amen. And so there's a difference just between being a Christian and then maybe being a Christian that enters heaven with a full reward. We want to be that. Amen. We want to strive for that. We're saved by the blood of Jesus. By grace through faith, no works of our own. But as a saved man or woman or young person, that life is to be spent up, used up. Uh, you know, like a candle being burnt out. It needs to be used up for the Lord. And there are crowns that wait. That that would represent the glory. Amen. Crowns come for those that have borne their cross, and and borne it uh, by faith in the Lord. First the cross, then the crown. First the cross then the crown same for us this this life we have many uh, pleasures and joys and victories and knowing jesus and walking with jesus but by far the greatest uh exaltation and glory for the believer is going to come when when after he raptures us or when we die and go to be with the lord by far you know we're buffeted and we're we're mocked and we're ridiculed and we're the offscoring of the world until this day in this earth, that doesn't mean there's no joy or, or, or victories, but by far, what's going to result after the greatest glory is going to be after we leave this earth, amen? And even our body is glorified, the Lord says in His Word. And so, uh, first the cross, then the crown. That's what the Scripture says. And so the cross is not only... A place of atonement it is that and primarily that but it's also as I said an example Christ was crucified it's makes sense biblically that his followers would be crucified as well in other words if not that we would go back and repeat what he did on the cross but he was perfected through suffering the Bible says or brought to completion in his ministry through suffering, his followers cannot expect anything other than that or less than that. I'm simply talking about the life of dying to self, I'm not talking about going and literally being nailed on a cross. We can't divorce uh, the doctrine of the cross from the actual practical application of the cross. The doctrine of the cross where Jesus died for our sins and we could talk about it for weeks upon weeks upon weeks but also the example given to the cross for the believer it says now if if Jesus said if if any man will follow me come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me the Lord says that and he says if any that means if any we always talk about if means if because everybody won't Everybody won't follow the Lord. But if we are going to follow the Lord, we're going to follow the way of the cross. That's the way. That's the way. That's God's chosen way. And so the author of this book says, God forbid that we should be saved by the crucifixion of the Lord and yet saved from crucifixion ourselves. We ought not to think of ourselves that it's going to be any... Uh, Easier path so to speak for us. I'm not talking about earning our salvation. I want to keep stating that I'm not talking about a life of misery. It's a life of self-denial to where the life of Christ can reign through uh, be lived fully through us. The disciple is not above his Lord. And so in Christ as believers, we surely won't and don't die for our sins but we well may be required to die for our Savior. We're not going to die for our sins, nor could we. We're sinners in need of a Savior. Christ alone is sinless and perfect and died for the sins of the world. We understand that. We're sure of that. We don't argue with that. So we'll never die for our own sins, but we may be called upon to die for the Lord, for our Savior in this life. If we do, there's a martyr's crown for that. Death can't hold us because it didn't hold him. Jesus said, "Because I live, you will live." Also, the worst that can be done to us in this life is physical death, and God is already He's already already the resurrection and the life. He asked Mary and Martha, "Do you believe this?" Right? He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The cross of the Lord is interwoven, and it's like paramount in all. Of, of Christian faith. And it shouldn't be skirted off to the side just as a historical fact. It is a historical fact in a moment. But it, it ought to be paramount in our lives as far as our daily life with the Lord. As I said, people want others. Uh, False doctrines and false beliefs within the heading of Christianity of you're just going to be the most popular. You're going to be elected mayor. You're going to be a senator. You're going to, you know, get the best job you want. God can do all of that if he wants to do it. If that's his choice. Now, don't ridicule that. But that's not the picture of the church through the history of, of the church. And it's not going to be until as a whole, until we're reigning with Christ in the millennial reign, and then beyond that, right? If we suffer with Him, we also shall reign with Him. The Bible says. And so, I want to just look at a couple little thoughts on the ways that, the ways that Christianity demands a crucified life. It sounds so contrary. A crucified life, but that's what it is. By faith, we reckon it to be so. Okay? Crucified with Christ... That he might live in him, live in us fully, and Christianity condemns all other religions. This is some ways that I think the cross. Dem- I mean, Christianity demands crucified followers, and here's one of them. Christianity condemns all other religions. They say, "Well, how does that exemplify the cross?" Well, most other people in the world they want to accept. That there's some good in every religion. Do you ever hear that before? You go to witness to somebody, well, I'm not a Christian like you, but I believe all the world's religions have some truth and some good uh, in them. But Christianity condemns all other religions. And so I'm not going to be popular for that belief. Settle it right now. You're not going to be embraced when you actually live that way and profess that. That the others are idols. They're idols, They're doctrines of devils and their idolatry. They're not of the Lord. It demands a crucified life. We need to settle it once and for all. I'm not going, as a Christian, going to be the most popular. Does that mean you'll never have acceptance in a group of people or God? God may elevate you, you know, to some position in, in, in society for his glory. Okay? But we, we can't we have to live a crucified life to really follow the Lord. Also, Christianity lays upon men commands that are contrary to the flesh. We've studied that that in this book. The commands and demands of the Lord upon the life of a follower of Christ are contrary to the flesh. They are not at all what you would choose or think or that is even possible in your own uh, humanity or carnal nature. Love your enemy. can't do that. It's contrary to your flesh. You can behave in some loving manner to your enemy, but you can't really love them. It demands a crucified life, right? To 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 follow the Lord. Uh, so many com- commands of the Lord are beyond. They're contrary to our flesh and contrary to what we would desire or what, what we would long for at all. Uh, thirdly, it, Christianity makes promises which... Uh, seem to be impossible, which many of them, most of them, cannot even be obtained till after this life is over. So we're trusting Christians, every Christian is trusting in all of this glory to come someday, right? People are ridiculed for that. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But that demands a crucified life. I need to be hid with Christ. in In and have my affection set on things above. The things that are promised to us for the most part are things that we won't even see till after we die or the Lord calls us home physically. It's an amazing thought. And guess what? It's all founded upon the resurrection of Christ from the dead, which is also ridiculed and mocked. And the author of this book says, to seal the faith... Christianity against any worldly success. It promises persecution. You're not going to have a bunch of people jump on the bandwagon. It has to be genuine conversions. Genuine salvation. It's, it's almost like it's built in to keep from Christianity from just being this popular fad. It promises persecution. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So a lot of people shy away from that, which is good. It's good that they shy away from it if they're not going to be serious about following the Lord. God put that there for a reason. It's not good that they shy away from Christ, but if they're, if they're not genuine in their faith and in their heart for the Lord, then, then it's good. Amen. It keeps Christianity from just uh, becoming the, the world's most popular religion for no real reason. Amen. It demands uh, and promises persecution for the followers. And so uh, despite those things, Christianity has flourished. Christianity has been successful. We're here tonight. Maybe not as many people as are out doing other things, but the church is, is the church. The church has survived. The church is strong, not in spite of those things, but actually in spite of those. I mean, because of those things. Not in spite of the persecution, but because of the persecution. And so the Christian has made a choice talking about the cross and suffering and how the end results will be glory. We have to believe that we have to keep that before us all of the time and live that way. The Christian forfeits the present and chooses to suffer presently for the most part. okay, for a future glory. Is that not right? That the Christian, Moses, even in the Old Testament, forsook the treasures and the pleasures of Egypt uh, for a season. It was just for a season. He had rec- respect for the recompensive reward that Christ would give. Being identified with Christ and His people. We make the same choice when we give our life to Jesus. And really, I think we make the same choice uh, daily when we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow the Lord. You might even be walking with a, or fellowshipping with a group of Christians. I can remember this in my own life when I really surrendered fully to the Lord. And it was all very new to me. It was very real to me. But it was new. The whole life was new in the Lord. And I had some peers. I was single at the time. Just finished up college. There were some peers of mine pretty much in the same you know, uh Young men, unmarried, in in church. And I quickly realized that the Lord was calling me on to here. And these were happy back here. I mean, very quickly, I realized that I could have made a choice right then to just kind of, wait a minute, put the brakes on, I'm saved. Just put the brakes on and kind of sink back in to this level, if you want to call it that, of Christianity or commitment or obedience to Christ or following the Lord. And though it was, I can remember it very clear. I can remember where I was sitting when this was taking place, and, and the, where I was, and the people that were around me. And God said real quickly to me, "No, you're you're going on. You're going on." And that is going on is for all of us. Now, all don't, but i i, I just think about we're we forfeit some things in this life. In order, Because we fully are convinced of what's coming in the next life. We forfeit things in this life to have Christ and to have Him fully. Not half of Christ and half of the world. Uh, Not 90% of Christ and 10% of the world. We forfeit things in this life to have all of Jesus and Him have all of us. Amen? That's what He desires. He wants all of me. He wants all of you. And that's the dying part. We think we're doing well, and then tomorrow He shows us, you know what, Randy, you haven't relinquished this to me yet. And when He shows me that, that's when I need to obey. When He shows you that and you're convinced of it, don't block it out of your mind and go click on the TV real quick or go do something else. When God's speaking to your heart, like in this sermon, then that's when He is dealing with your heart. That's when we respond. That's when we go to the cross. Okay? Lord, I'm going to give you that. Then walk with the Lord 30 years, 20 years, 50 years. And he shows you something else that needs to be laid down or laid down more fully. That's when we need to obey. It's joy. Okay? It's joy to walk with the Lord. There was a heathen man in A.D. 100, Lucian of Samosata, Okay? And he said, this is a quote, The Christians still worship that great mocking. The Christians still worship that great man who was crucified. These wretched people, he's speaking of the Christians, have persuaded themselves that they are absolutely deathless and will live forever, for which reason they think slightly of death. And many willingly surrender themselves to death. That's another picture of to the world the cross is foolishness. It's just foolishness. And the Christians that follow a crucified and risen Christ, it's foolishness to them. They, they, they're pictured as being foolish as well. The, the cross captures men, so to speak, that happily want to follow the Lord. And through the midst of, of most horrible persecutions and sufferings in this life, and tortures and deaths and so forth, so forth, they're raised in newness of life with Christ in glory. The Bible speaks, we don't have time to turn there, but in Hebrews 11, it, it speaks of, we, we go there all the time. All those that, that died for the Lord, the Enoch and Abel and Noah and Joshua and Abraham and, and so forth. And then it talks about these that we don't even know their names. Those are, I look forward to meeting those people as well. Amen. We don't even know their names. It says these all died in the faith. Not having received the promises in this, this earthly life, but we're, they were persuaded of them. They were convinced of them and they embraced them. That's faith. That whole chapter is on faith. And so they're thrown to the lions. They're sawn asunder. They're wandering destitute and living in caves and closing themselves in animal skins. And and they're chased by armies and so forth. And yet, they, they died not having received the fullness of everything the Lord promised in this life. Doesn't mean they haven't received it, though. They didn't receive it in this life. And there's a promise coming still for them and promises still coming for them. And so... You probably have heard this before. The Christians in in the days of the Roman Empire were considered or labeled the third race. The Romans were the first race. The Jews were the second race. And the Christians were the third race. They were the scum of the earth. They They were the worst of the worst. And yet the Lord, that's God's people. He's not ashamed to be called their God and their Lord and their Savior when we live for Him and and with Him and walk with Him, when we trust Him, it has nothing to do with perfection. It has to do with trusting in God and walking with the Lord. And when we sin, we repent, we ask God to forgive us, and we keep walking with the Lord. And when we're persecuted, we we, we ask God to give us strength to bear it, and He helps us, and we keep walking with the Lord. So so to the heathen, the doctrine of the cross seems... uh, it just seems like a plague and like an infection, like a sickness. They want nothing to do with it uh, at all or those that embrace the cross. But that's how we receive our crown. Amen? And these, these forerunners of ours that have lived for God and died for the Lord, they took the way of death because it was the gateway to life. One of these mockers said why are you Christians so bent on death you're so bent on death that you make nothing of it to which one of the disciples replied we are bent sir not upon death but upon life let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus keep reading what does it say who became obedient unto death even the death on the cross wherefore God has highly exalted him cross and then the glory. It's no different for us. We don't have to repeat what he did on the cross, nor could we, but we can take up the cross of our Lord daily and follow the Lord in face of trials, in face of persecution, in face of of mocking, in face of uh, bypassing or foregoing worldly pleasures that the rest of the world seems to be enjoying. It's only for a season. I tell the young people all this time, you're not missing anything. You think you're missing so much. So and so's doing this, and they're your age and they're, oh man, you gotta try this, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. <clears throat> you're not missing anything. You're not missing anything at all except sin and the heartache that it brings. The joy comes in knowing the Lord and following the Lord. I promise you, more than that, God's word promises that. Amen. And I'm gonna bring this to a close, but Think about this. From the heights of glory, we're going to use Jesus not only as Savior, but as our example, our role model, and he is that. From the heights of glory, Christ descended. He stepped down out of heaven, right? Robed himself in a frail human body, the king of glory, the creator of all things. And from from Godhead to manhood, although he was still the Lord. There's a mystery there. But from a man, he descended further to be a servant. And from this servant life, he descended to death. And from just a common death of dying in a normal death that different people would die, he descended to the death of a criminal on a cross. And he, he went as low as you could go. And it was through that he was exalted. Very quickly afterwards. I, I always, like I said, mention Joseph. It it's amazes me that story of Joseph in the Old Testament. When I read it, I get excited about it, but how quickly it turned. He didn't know it was going to turn, and literally in five minutes, his life was going to be changed. Everything that God had promised him about his brothers bowing down to him and so forth, he, he went from being sold, hated by his brothers, sold as a slave serving as a slave, falsely accused, put in prison, languishing in prison. Even the prisoners said he was going to help him, forgot about him. And then he's called upon, shave yourself up and get cleaned up. You're going to appear before Pharaoh. He needs someone to interpret his dream. He interprets the dream. He becomes prime minister. At that moment, this all took place. Who but God? Can do that. That ought to excite us. That's the same God that we serve, and and we see Jesus spat upon, mocked, put a crown of thorns. He's bleeding. He's beaten so badly he's not recognizable as his man. His own disciples that swore to die for him fled. Okay, nobody is the, the, the Jews that he's dying to save and the people he's dying to save are ridiculing him. Oh, let him come down for the cross. He saved others. His, uh, uh, he can't, can't save himself. Just worse and worse and worse. The third day he rose again. Forever. Forever. Henceforth expecting till his enemies become his footstool. He's, he's not going to a cross again. We're, but our life on this earth is a life... Of trusting God, walk with the Lord. Lord, and we we suffer. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And that's not for no point. It's it's that He's going to ra- allow us to reign with Him. There's something of our Lord in that. Is a fellowship in His suffering. I want to close with this thought: Jesus's uh, descent. Was only a pathway to his ascent or to being glorified. And those facts, I think that's one thought we've made very clear tonight in this message. Those facts have to get hold of our hearts and lives. We need to see it. We don't need to talk people into following Christ by telling them the world's just going to be their bed of roses, nor do we need to think that ourselves. It is joy and joy unspeakable to know Jesus. There is a fullness of His joy. He wants us to have it in this life. But it's not a life free of pain or suffering or persecution. That's not the life He's promised. That life is coming. Okay? That life is coming. And so we need to understand it and really by faith sort of grow up and step up to the plate and live the life that the Lord's called us to. I want to close with two scriptures. Indeed, come on up if you would. Philippians. We started in Philippians. I want to, I want to close with the, uh, this and one more. Philippians 3. Verse 15. It's that whole passage where Paul's talking about that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection the fellowship of His suffering. And then at the end of that, he says at the end of that thought in verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect, that means mature in the Lord, be thus minded. And if any, in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. What is he saying? He's saying the whole passage about counting that form of life as dung and pressing towards the mark for the prize is ahead of us, y'all. Keep reminding you yourself it's ahead of you. Is it wonderful to know Jesus now? Absolutely. I wouldn't trade this life right now, the one I have right now in this earth, for the life that I had before. I wouldn't trade a thousand of those lives before for this life. But the best is still ahead of us. And we need to have that same mind. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And the passage tells us about the mind. It was a humble mind. It was an obedient mind. It was a servant mind. And it was a mind or a will that led to the death on the cross. That's where that mind led. And because of that, the God the Father exalted His Son, Jesus Gave him a name that's above every name. And he has promised to every true follower of Jesus that we will reign with him. If we suffer with him, we also will reign with him. Last scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Same thought with, with Moses, right? Pleasure of sin for a season. Our light affliction, he calls it. None of us in this room has gone through what the Apostle Paul went through as a believer for his, for his uh, service to the Lord. For our light affliction is but for a moment, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We have to believe that. We have to believe that. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We can't make you believe it. You can't make me believe it. But the Holy Ghost by the Word of God can take that Scripture that we just read and make it real to your heart. Ask Him to do it. And make it more real to your heart today than it was yesterday, Amen. Because we're going, the Lord's going to demand more of our lives tomorrow than He did today or yesterday. It's going to demand a greater faith to live for Jesus tomorrow than it did today, Amen. The altars are open. Let's come and, and meet with the Lord. Ask Him to take this truth to sort of say, Lord, I want that mind. I want that will of my Lord and Savior. I want to see things rightly. Lord, strengthen us, God, to suffer persecution for your name's sake. Ye all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, Lord. Help us to know that there's a far more exceeding weight of eternal glory that follows that, that you have promised. And Lord, your word says it's impossible for God to lie. It's not even possible for you to lie. So what, you, what we just read is In Philippians, and what we read in 2 Corinthians, Lord, is a promise from the Lord. Paul said, there's laid up a crown, not for me only, but for all those that love is appearing. We love your appearing, God. I pray you would strengthen us as your people. I'll take a few moments to meet with the Lord tonight. He's going to sing, we're going to worship the Lord. Just ask God to, we don't want to be forgetful hearers, we want God to take the Word that was spoken and we want Him to sow it deeply into our hearts that it's really part of us and changes our life Every single time we sit and we hear a Sunday school lesson or the Word of God or read your Bible for yourself, ask God to take that truth and make it real to you and make it part of your life, that your life would be transformed by the washing of the water of the Word. In Jesus' name.